Welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined as always by my guys Chris McCormick and Gene Parenti. Fellas, how we doing? I am doing great. This week in Chi-Town up here in uh, Chicago enjoying some 40 degree weather and rain. It's uh, it's quite lovely in the Midwest this time of year. Got to tell you. Welcome to March in Chicago. Rain rain seems to follow you around a bit, doesn't it, Chris? You know, Gene, it's funny you mentioned that. I do have a rather dark cloud that just kind of follows me wherever <laughs> it is that I go. It's uh, He's Eeyore. Yeah, it's it's just a thing. I I embrace it now. It is it All is right, my little good. my little dark cloud that follows me. I'm okay. Hey, as long as you own it, man, that's that's all that matters. We're good with it. I own it. Well, I've owned it for years. I'm good with it. <laughs> Gene, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, just whacking golf balls, testing stuff, and um, you know, your keeping, keeping keeping busy. It's uh, you know, it's kind of that little bit of a ebb after the flow of all the 2022 stuff. You know, these next few months are kind of I don't want to call them the doldrums, but they're uh, you know, they're not quite as. Uh, well, I can't say hair on fire because I have none, but, um, you know, just uh, completely edgy, like, oh, my God, we got to get all this stuff done, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know. Well, feels like a good time for us to maybe do some more testing. I know you and I have been talking about yeah. doing that. We've got to get some yeah. more tests in the bank. Yeah. And get, get that rocking. No, I know. And that's that's been on me. I, I feel like coming off of club test, I needed I needed a minute for a breather, but now I feel like I'm just like extending that breather a little bit. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of nice to not have a million things going on. And yeah, this is what it feels like to, to not be in the, the frenetic six month period of the year where it's like ramping up for club tests and down. So anyway, we'll, we'll get to those tests soon enough. But speaking of rain, so I was in Austin this week for the WGC match play and they kicked us off the golf course on Monday because there was supposed to be a, a major storm rolling through, and, and there were some pretty significant storms that rolled through Dallas or a couple areas that, that got hit pretty hard outside of the, the DFW Metroplex. And um, anyway, just thoughts go to a lot of those people. I saw a school, Jacksboro High School, got hit pretty hard by a tornado and ripped the roof off a couple of their structures. Anyway, so we're down there, and it kind of condensed my Monday. So I'm hanging out. And who do I see a face that we haven't seen in a little while? I saw Bryson. Oh. And so I'm like, ah, there's Bryson. He's going to come warm up. He's, he's over here on the chipping green. Maybe I'll see him go roll some putts. And he just had, he just had wedge and putter. That was it. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. So he hits two, he hits two chips, makes a putt. And that was it. That was his practice session on a Monday. That sounds and like my practice session every time I go to the golf course <laughs> about the extent that's, of that's my, my practice session when I show up five minutes before my tea time. Yeah. yeah that's, that's about what I get before I head to the first tee. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. It was, he, it was uh, interesting. Did he go out and play? No, he didn't go out and play. And I, and I think a lot of it had to do with the rain was, was coming, but it just was strange that he showed up, even showed up at all. I mean, there, there were some guys there early in the day and actually Austin on the outskirts of, of Austin, there were there were some reported tornado sightings and, and some strong rotation, but nothing like they were predicting. 
And I, I think some of the guys maybe were, were lamenting the fact that the tour pushed them off the golf course because it is only two days of practice. And if you don't know that golf course, if it's one of your first times to play the match play, it, that golf course is really different on the nines. They actually, the, the outward and the inward nine for the match play, they're actually re the reverse of what you would see, which I actually like the way that they had it, have it set up for the tour event better because you play sort of the nine through the, the hill country holes on that front side. And then on the back, you get to the, you get to the holes where you can start driving greens and you're playing right along the water. And I mean, those are the, the picturesque holes, but the, actually that, if you were to play awesome country club, those are the, your opening holes of the tournament. Mm -hmm. So by the time you finish up your round, it's a little bit of a, a little, I guess a little bit underwhelming is, is the way that I look at it because the, the prettier holes are there along the water. So a anyway, great golf course, not a lot going on this week. As far as gear is concerned, the only thing that I really noticed was, you know, Xander, which I guess I hadn't realized this. He changed putters about a month ago and went to, and this was, and this is something that I'm wondering if you guys have ever heard of, especially Chris, I know that you work with some tour pros. So Xander actually changed putters. He, he didn't like this red Odyssey O-Works uh, number seven CH crank hosel. It's, it's their like fancy name for an, for an L neck or a plumber's neck on a putter. He was using a red version for a while. And then he switched to a silver version because just the contrast of the silver finish with that white white hot insert was a little bit um, a little bit more subdued. That was noticeable in the contrast, and he liked that. And then he changed the the paint in the three lines on the putter from white to black, and he liked the fact that the black line, the little black line on the top line, kind of was an extension of the line that he has on the side stamp. So he kind of could help line those up a little bit more when he was trying to make putts. But that was a first for me. I, you know, I've heard guys change in and going from, you know, no line, but that was maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I know many guys who have changed the paint color, the paint fill color of the lines. That was, that was a revelation for me. So I don't what know. just just out of curiosity, did he 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 stuck with uh, one color or stuck with stuck with the the black? So it was black lines instead of white, and okay. the head the head color went from red to the more traditional silver finish. But it sounded well, like it was more the the black paint that was really what sold him on on the. He's now in a white hot OG number seven. And I've heard of guys that make transitions based upon colors. They, I would say the most common feedback I get when I hear of players making those transitions is that some of the different colorways that the OEMs offer as stock or production options uh, become distracting. And rather than focusing on whatever it is, be a dimple on the ball or intermediate target or for the guys that look at something in between, they, they find themselves being distracted by those more bold contrasting colors and they'll start to follow the putter head and transition and they start to lose consistency of the face as they return it through impact. So I have heard of guys going back to a more muted colorway, uh, still offering some type of contrast for optics, but when it comes to actually making that uh, transition into those subdued colors, it helps them maintain their focal point on whatever it is that they look at. And we've talked about before, uh, 
a player's visual perception is completely unique to them, but it does influence optics for sure. Well, yeah, it was, anyway, it was an interesting change and, and one, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a color, but it was like, I was watching Xander putt and I'm like, oh man, that's a new putter. And it was, was definitely not a new putter. He's had it for a month. So shows how good I am at, at picking out recent changes. I, I feel like I'm just getting worse at my job. They should, they should just find a, find a replacement. I think the warranty's going up on me anyway. So <laughs> the, the other funny story I wanted to share from the week so Scotty Scheffler was in the, the media center on Tuesday and I was headed back out to the range and Scotty was walking in. I've met Scotty a couple of times, but I, it's just like, I'm just, I'm just not that recognizable of a face. And so he's passing me by I'm like, Hey Scotty, I got to ask, are you going with the Nike or the stealth this week? And he kind of turns around as he's going, he's like, I don't know. And that was his response. And then he just turned around and went in the media center. And I'm like, thanks. Appreciate the, uh, the insight. He, I mean, he doesn't care. I, I, he still had both in the bag this week. Still has the Nike, still has the stealth that he's testing. I, I've heard that he's getting closer to making a change. So maybe I should, maybe I should start kind of, kind of like when, you know, a, a luminary is on their deathbed and everybody starts to write those obits. Maybe I should start prepping my obit for the nike but i was it's, I, you know, coming. I was hoping, it's, it's, it's it is coming. it is coming it is coming yeah. I, i'm gonna my prediction is post masters i think i think you'll make the change official i don't think we think anything. it's think it's gonna be post masters i do i don't think it'll be for augusta he's playing so well i think he i think he's you know every golfer wants to peak for the majors i mean that's that's not a new revelation and I think that the way that he's playing and the fact that that deal was was essentially just for the clubs that he already had in the bag, the only change was the fairway. I think he'll wait until after Augusta and, and put it in the bag. But yeah, I've, I've heard the rumor mill says that he is, he's getting close. So maybe after the Masters, we'll see. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, preparing, I'm preparing myself. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, the death, the death of an era. I know, I know. It is, it is, it is a very sad story that that we're going to have to announce here in the. I would say, I would say the not too distant future. Anyway, so that was kind of it for Austin. Before we start talking about more gear stuff, I, I want to just shoehorn this one in because I got a, I got a message on on our Instagram, and we're at Fluke of Golf. and somebody sends a picture of a cereal that I had never seen before. It is it is a it is a mashup, a cereal mashup. You know, okay, for those of you that listen to Fully Equipped, you know that uh, Chris, Chris and I are are big fans of, of cereal. We're just giant kids uh, stuck in, in adult bodies. Gene, are you a cereal uh, guy? It's a true story. True story. So so I've taken Mickelson's approach to that uh, intermittent fasting. I don't eat before noon because if I look at food what? in the morning, I get fat. So I've just figured that uh, if I stay away from food till noon, I'm good. I can like maintain my weight, but yeah, breakfast oh. food and meat, breakfast food and meat. And I, and trust me, I love, love cereal, but there's just oh. some things as you get older, you gotta, man's gotta know his limitations and I know mine and it's stay away from breakfast food. So yes, yeah. I am sadly out of this conversation. Well, so. You, you know, Chris and I are, are big on, on the cereal and 
Chris, I think, is, is more of an expert than I am. But anyway, he sends me this picture, this guy, of a cereal box that has Lucky Charms and what else, Chris? Uh, my ears just perked up. I, there's There's been a lot. Can continue down this road? I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, so it's it's Lucky Charms and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ooh. That uh, that speaks to me. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot going is, on is, there. Is uh, is this sold at uh, marijuana dispensaries? Is that the? Um... <laughs> if it's not, it should. Be. <laughs> it most it most definitely should be. I'm with Gene. It most definitely should be it uh, at dispensaries. It, it's the first time that I've ever seen the two cereals together. I I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I need to go to the store. I still, I actually went and tried to take, tried to take a peek to see if they had it. They, they did not have it. So I don't know. And, uh, should I, should I put out the uh, APB and say, if you, if you send Chris and, uh, eh, if you send me a box as well, I've got some cool you know, golf gear laying around the house, some limited edition stuff. If you send me a box of this cereal, if you send Chris a box as well. I'll send you something fun. I'll just throw it out there. I love it. Yes, I am in full support of this, and uh, I I support this message a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if uh, if our buddy Colin Marikawa has uh, has dabbled in the mashup of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Lucky Charms, being a Crunch fan himself. Oh man, I I don't know. I, I again, I'm just trying to still wrap my head around these these two cereals getting getting the the collaboration that's just anyway it, it blew my mind well, i'm let's having, just, let's I'm, say having that. A, I'm having i'm having a bad flashback from being a kid and eating captain crunch so much that it would make my teeth hurt do you think that was bad for me when your teeth actually start hurting from the amount of sugar that's being yeah that's 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 body? normal that's normal no, that's good that's just okay, that's just okay. america well, I'm and glad. I, I'm glad. I'm glad my two medical professionals are clearing me of that. I feel much better yeah. now. You can you can eat that before noon. How about that? You you can have this okay. cereal anyway. The the guy the I forgot to to give a shout out. It's Stephen Bork on Instagram who is the one who sent it along. He also is the one who suggested that you should try that cereal with uh, with like a little bit of whole milk. And I was like, dude, that sounds. Sounds pretty serious right there. I don't know if I get it. It sounds very out. fat kid friendly and I support <laughs> it. Yeah. He also suggested like half and half. Which <laughs> just now that's half. just getting crazy. Yeah. I, I don't think I can get on board with that. You lost me. You lost I, me. I was I, I was all in. I was all in. Whole milk. I can do it. Let's let's uh let's get that party started. Yeah. Anyway. So we released it's supposed to be every other week. But I decided to break the rules this week and release the next part of our robot test series. And I think this one is is a really interesting test because it's doing something that I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen anybody do in the industry, which is we had Gene and Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher Chris Mason do some a little bit of robot testing a little bit of instruction so so chris is is a great guy he works with um scott piercy uh he works with yanni sang 
So we talked with a lot, a lot of big name pros on on the LPGA and the PGA Tour, and we wanted to try and get his insights into some of the fixes that can help your game. And by doing this, we were able to say, "All right, you know, here's here's a common here's a common miss that golfers have." Chris, what's the fix? And so Chris is going to show us the fix. Now, this isn't anything new. You can go to you can go to any golf website and find instruction tips. But what makes this version of RoboTest different is that once we had Chris give us a fix to the miss, Gene was then able to run that fix and the miss on the robot to show you how much of an improvement the fix is going to be. I feel like this is next level instruction and and we're going to we're going to, you know, kind of blow it out a bit more as we go along, but this very first video Gene was called the second serve. You want to kind of, you know, offer up some insights on what exactly Chris was trying to do and what the what the numbers that we saw when you ran it on the robot. Sure, absolutely. And this is an interesting one because it it's definitely focused at amateur golfers. But what's interesting about it is you can even, you know, pull this out all the way to the tour. And basically what it is, is do you pay, you know, do you play a high full swing straight shot, you know, the big draw, or do you play the fade? And, you know, you've got so many guys like DJ, like Rom, now Xander playing the fade. And one of the reasons that they play this is they understand the importance of hitting a fairway. And they know based on metrics of strokes gained that when you hit a fairway, you stand a much better position of scoring better. So what what Chris uh, uh, came up with with the second serve was in tennis, you go all out on your first serve and then your second serve is about three quarters and it's a much more controlled serve in which you absolutely have to get it. Unfortunately, in golf, we don't get a second shot without penalties, but um, the, the, well, the practice ball. is, yeah, the practice ball. But the analogy is that uh, uh, when you do need to get it into the court or into the fairway, that this is um, a swing that you should apply. And basically what we did was at 95 miles an hour, we... Uh, kind of hit a neutral ball and what i mean by that is the club face was at zero and zero so the bottom of the arc and dead straight and we launched it about 11 6 2700 and it went about 240 yards and then we lowered the ball on the face swung a little outside in and um hit the ball still straight but what we did what was interesting is we increased the spin by about 600 rpm and whenever you increase the spin, um, you are going to increase your accuracy. Now, you, you, you are losing distance. and We lost about 14 yards of distance. But you've got to remember, this is on 18 when you've got, you know, 10 bucks on the line and you absolutely have to get home in two. You want to hit the fairway and you don't want to hit one out of bounds or you don't want to hit one in the rough. And you swing a little over the top and tee the ball a little low and the ball's going to go out there and it's going to be a little bit of a stinger that's going to go out and rise. But your percentage of hitting that green is going to increase pretty dramatically. I'm sorry, fairway is going to increase pretty dramatically. It's actually an interesting one too because the, the second serve 
for the average amateur golfer, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, they're already delivering the golf club with a negative angle of attack. So yeah, they're not they're not too far off from these. Yeah, as I was say, it, it shouldn't be that difficult for them to to just tee it down low and and be able to to execute this shot. At least you think so. No, absolutely. And you know, it's uh, to be honest, this is it's kind of funny because you know, in our past instructional videos that we've done about teeing it high to get more distance and things like that. <laughs> I know. This is this is the exact opposite of that, but it's okay because this has a different purpose. In other words, you know, teeing it high, you're trying to maximize distance and, you know, it's funny because golfers fall into two categories. I call them the chocolate cake and the vegetable golfers. You know, the vegetable golfers are the sickos, the hard ones that that really are concerned about their game and want every no every stroke matters. The chocolate cake, they just want to hit the ball as far as they can and show off to their buddies that that it's yep. further. And yep. uh, and and this actually has application to both groups, even the chocolate cake golfers every once in a while realize that their score is important and they've got to you know dial it back a little bit and the vegetable golfers they're trying to maximize their distance but not to a point that it starts affecting their their overall score in a negative way or should i say the risk reward becomes too much risk they're just much more conscious about you know their um their overall performance whereas the chocolate cake golfers they don't care about diabetes. They don't care about their blood pressure. They just want to hit the ball as far as possible. But the the tip applies to both of them. Oh my goodness! That was that was a lot to process. That was, that was, <laughs> I was, was about to say that was yeah. <laughs> I uh, oh I didn't I didn't tell you guys I moonlight as a nutritionist, so you know it just comes naturally. Yeah, there was there was a lot to digest there, keeping with the. <laughs> the food analogies and, and theming <laughs> of that conversation. I, oh, I definitely man. side more with the, the chocolate cake uh, <laughs> group uh, where my score is, is going to suck pretty much regardless. So I do enjoy hitting it past my friends and then belittling them uh, to the best of my ability. Well played. Well played. It's, it's funny. I, 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 think, I, think, I, think, I think I ate way too much chocolate to- cake. I think we're going to have to name this the food uh, edition because between the cereal and that whacked analogy, I don't know where we're going next. <laughs> well, I can tell you that I ate way too much chocolate cake over the over the weekend. I went out and played with a buddy who was in town, and I brought a couple of my kids. He brought his his son, and it was you know controlled chaos on the golf course, and mostly just kids wrestling and hitting some shots here and there. And my youngest. She was actually the most engaged. I think she played probably seven of the nine holes. Wow. But I I brought the 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 foresight GC quad along, and I, I may or may not have been trying to turn the the tee shots with the driver into a long drive competition to see if I could increase my ball speed from one hole to the next. It was it was it was it was rough. I did catch did one I, on the last did, hole, by did, the way. I got it. I got it really good. I got a two ninety nine carry into the wind, cleared the I lake. See, but did I did I see a tweet with that with some uh, quad numbers? I uh, you did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was going to comment on that because that spin axis looked a little suspicious. So you no, that was that was that was that was actually the only ball I hammered all day. It was it. The, and it went spin axis at all. It, it, and it went straight. It went straight. Wow! Wow! I know. I'm impressed. I could, I could, he did. I he did say it. it was into the wind. There might have been some some environmental influences on uh, corrective ball flight. Gotcha. Very very, right. very possible. Right. The spin number also was, as I mentioned, was unsustainable because I knew somebody was going to point that out. I was like seventeen hundred spin launching at at uh, just over fourteen. Yeah, you're close you're, to you're, close you're, to Rory numbers. You're in a you're in a ballistics there. model there, and you go a couple hundred RPM low, and the ball just goes boom. <laughs> oh yeah, I, out of the sky. Well, that's that's yeah, why it's like seventeen hundred is is not is not a number that I I typically try and, and get out. But I'm I'm normally if I'm if I'm in the like twenty two to twenty five range, I'm happy. If I can keep it, if I can keep it somewhere around there, usually the driver is going good. If I start getting that, I mean, seventeen hundred. I was like, wow, I actually hit that pretty good. That that spin number is is impossible to to corral. So that was a it was a fun day on the golf course. I do enjoy bringing the quad out because it is fun to test new gear. I was actually testing the new. I used testing loosely because I was also chasing kids around, but the new Fujikura Ventus, the TR shaft that they came out with, and they only have the the blue model. But I was testing it against a graphite design. ADHD, which is how I usually go through life with ADHD. But um, yeah, it was it was. I, I thought for for a first run, the driver shaft was good, really good. So I might. Uh, I'm usually I'm usually a, a Ventus black guy, but I'm I may be maybe falling into the in the blue profile. So anyway, speaking of drivers, we've been trying to wrap up our driver insights for. Weeks, weeks. <laughs> months, weeks, conservatively, and I jokingly said before before we hit record on this pod that if we kept pushing it back anymore, that we might run into when Titleist releases their new driver out on tour. So, without further ado, Gene, let's get some driver insights on a couple of a couple of drivers that have been out for a little while. So that's why that we kind of push them towards the back of the line. The Titleist TSI and Ping's G four twenty five. Sure. Okay. So, uh, first off with Titleist, um, this was an interesting, uh, design change for Titleist in this TSI one, two, three, and four family, uh, for a couple different reasons. Historically, Titleist was not the lowest spinning drivers in the marketplace. And with this change to the TSI family, um, we saw pretty uh, dramatic differences in spin characteristics than in previous models. But the, the part that was interesting to me was um, they really did a good job with the TSI in product differentiation. Each one of these products is almost unique unto itself. And so Titleist was always kind of in my opinion a better players club almost in that like Mizuno category um and with this family I really feel like there is a TSI model for every type of golfer and just to kind of run over some of the highlights 
um, the TSI one was the highest launching and the most forgiving of the family. So that's kind of the, you know, the every man or every woman's golf club. The TSI two had a medium to high launch and it had the uh, lowest spin of the family with the draw bias. So once again, if you're, if you're fighting a, a fade or a slice, this is definitely a club to look at. The TSI three had exceptional uh, distance drop off loss on toe and heel shots. It was um, really forgiving. It also had a lower launch than the rest of the family. So if you hit the ball high, this is a club to look at. And then uh, the TSI four had a medium to high launch um, with a low spin and uh, straight to almost fade bias to it. So um, if you swing inside out and um, you're looking to really optimize or maximize your distance, and you you can be somewhere between the chocolate cake and the vegetables, but you are you know you you want a a, a very solid golf club. Um, the TSI four is definitely uh, the club to look at. But overall, the Titleist family, um, I think they've they've really done a good job with this in really being inclusive, you know, to, to almost the entire golfing population. I mean, these, these drivers, I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit I, I've played Titleist TSI three almost exclusively since it came out and I've tried other drivers, but it's, it, I mean, as Gene mentioned, one of the things that I really liked about these, I, I tested all the models. And I, I loved the fact that there was there was a significant differentiator between each each one. Like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of overlap in the spin numbers or um, you know the the shot shape that you were getting. Each each one is going to benefit a particular golfer, and there's really not a lot of overlap. And I like that because that that's the way that driver lineup should be. I mean, if you're if you're buying a particular model, you're buying it because it benefits your game and. There is a miss that you don't want to see, and there's a shot shape that you wanna that you want to see, and you're looking for certain spin and launch numbers. And yeah, I think Titleist. It's funny because for years, I the knock on Titleist for me was not just the fact that that they were higher spinning gene, it was also that they were slower. I mean, we yeah. used to we used to test their products, and they they were not fast, and they. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's not one of those things that you typically would see from a Titleist driver. I always felt like they had a very loyal following. I mean, I'll I'll be one to admit I played 975D. I played a lot of the you know the 900 series drivers when when Titleist was cranking them out, and it just kind of seemed like I don't know if it's really if they lost their way. It just really didn't feel like there was a whole lot of an emphasis on on like game changing technology. It just seemed like they were kind of trying to to you know, change up the graphics and make it look faster, but it really wasn't faster. And then TSI came along and it really shattered the mold of what you thought of a Titleist driver. And it makes me wonder because this driver is so markedly different than anything Titleist has come out because of that ATI face, what is the next driver? Because this is a driver year for them. So we're going to see something new. And I would say probably the next three months, three, four months, we should see a new driver out on tour. And that does make me wonder because of of the game changing face and the fact that they're the number one driver on tour right now. What's going to happen with with the next one? I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of changes this year. If I'm looking into my gear crystal ball, I think the face stays stays there. They make some 
incremental improvements. But I don't think that they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna change it up a whole bunch because of how good this driver is. Personal opinion. Well, and, and there, you know, there's something else, and it's it's interesting. And uh, the industry is always slow to chase because no one wants to acknowledge a leader. And you know, one of the you know one of the kind of the secrets uh, that most golfers don't quite understand is. Right about now, they've wrapped the uh, product for 2023. It's it's being produced and it, it's in the can. And, and oh, the yeah. reason I bring the reason I bring that up is, uh, you know, TaylorMade really uh, went out there with the adjustable weights, and and because it was such a hit. Um, but because there's a fear of acknowledging that it was a hit, nobody chased them. And, and they had the market for a good three years before suddenly some of the majors started chasing them. The reason I bring that up is it's going to be really interesting to see with the all, um, graphite composite head, how big of a hit that is for TaylorMade. And if the other manufacturers start looking to chase it, but if they do, at the earliest, it's going to be 2024 at this point. So TaylorMade has a lot of runway, um, you know, and and then it might even be longer than that because everybody is hesitant to look like a me too or a follower, which acknowledges right. them as a leader. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is I just, I can't see anybody trying to follow because they're just going to be labeled as the brand that copied TaylorMade. And so I, I, I do, I think, I think others are going to need to find something different. Chris, what, what is the, I mean, the title striver has been out for, for almost a couple of years now. What have you seen from golfers coming in? Has it, I mean, I, I think it's been a home run. Has it been a home run at true spec when you've had guys going through the fitting process with the TSI product? I mean, absolutely has the, the better, faster player has seen significant improvements transitioning from previous TSI product or TS product or titles product uh, into TSI three. And then TSI two has been really, really solid for a much broader spectrum of player. And then you have TSI one and TSI four that kind of fit those, those niche categories, the, the player that needs more forgiveness versus the player that needs more of a you know, particular start line bias and that forward CG, low launch, low spin. Uh, I would agree with you, Jay Wall, if they make any significant changes, I think that they risk uh, the the momentum that they have from this TSI line and uh, kind of that newfound notoriety they have as a good quality uh, producer in the, in the driver category. And the fairway woods are really solid as well. I mean, the, the TSI-2 and the TSI-3 fairway woods have been really, really good for us across the board. So making yeah. any significant structural changes, I don't see it happening in this, uh, in this next generation. Yeah. And what about, uh, what about Ping, Gene? Ping. So Ping's continued kind of its, uh, its tradition, uh, with what I call the, you know, the 425, you know, they've got the Max, the LST, and the SFT. Um, we'll start with the SFT. What we saw in the testing, and this is a, everything in this 425 line is a continuation, in my opinion, of kind of like 
what we talked about previously with Titleist, Ping is doing the same thing. They had such a solid line in their in their previous generation. They, it, it, it seems like they're small iterations, but they are uh, noticeable. Um, the SFT had a strong draw bias on heel and high center hits, so that if you hit the ball on the left side of the club face, um, it definitely had a strong uh, draw bias. The LST um, had a very low drop off in distance on both toe and heel hits. It also um, was exceptional from a launch and spin category. And then the Max was probably the most, one of the most forgiving clubs on center, toe, and heel, and also all of the upper hits high center, high toe, high heel. So continuing. Um, the uh, the the kind of design theme that Ping has been known for as very forgiving golf clubs, and um, they uh, they don't have quite as many selections as Titleist. They have three as opposed to four, but they do a very good job with all three of their um, uh, models and focusing on specific types of players with those. Yeah, I mean Ping. To their credit, I mean, by far one of the most stable and forgiving drivers in the marketplace year in and year out. And, you know, they don't they don't come out with a driver. It's kind of like Titleist, which I think is great that we group these two together because, you know, Titleist is, is a little bit more consistent with their release with their releases, you know, every other year for, for woods and irons. Ping, you know, it, they, they really don't give a, a, you know, a timer. I mean, if you look at like I-59, for irons. I mean, that eye blade had been out for five plus years before I-59 came out. So, you know, they, they don't typically go on a release cadence, but anytime they come out with a product, you know that it's going to be stable. You know that if you're a golfer that doesn't consistently hit it out of the center of the face, you can, you know, get their max driver or an SFT and know that you're going to be able to, to kind of keep that big, big slice off the map or, you know, keep it in, the, keep it on the map if you're going to be going into a max driver. So, I don't. It's interesting. I, th- I think, I think of the drivers that that we're going to. I think Ping is probably going to make some pretty big changes. Just I, I'm looking at what they've been doing recently. You know, they went away from cast and they started forging their irons. They've come out with this new the Ping the PLD program for putters, where you can buy. You know, you can go through the whole like tour fitting process for for a putter. I just see them starting to kind of do things a little bit differently over there than they have than they have in the past. Kind of similar to titles, I would think. I don't know. I just have I just have a weird feeling that the next driver we see from them is going to be something significant. And and I'm not saying that the ones that they've released in the last few years haven't been significant. I just think we're going to see some new tech that is going to is going to surprise some people. You think we're going to see a uh, a revert into the the multi material construction and incorporating more composites into the head? I I would think so. You know, we we were talking about this before the pod began. You know, Ping has typically been one of the last to adopt technologies that are kind of seen throughout the industry. You look at the adjustable hosel. Ping was, I think, the last OEM to embrace adjustable hosel and they were one of the last to embrace the movable weights in the head 
So and I don't think that's that's a knock on ping to say that they're slow to change. It's just they're more methodical when it comes to the changes that they make. But again, I, I've seen some of the changes that they've done recently in irons and in some of the, the the production processes and releasing these totally custom putters. And it just makes me I'm kind of just looking at the where there's smoke, there's fire. I think that they're coming out with something big. I think I think something with some some composite material is is almost a guarantee. I would be surprised if we see similar similar technologies or designs that we've seen from the previous 400 series products well and you know it, they're, they're kind of an interesting company from their philosophy standpoint you know to kind of you know build on what you said in that they take their time but when they do make a major design change they stick with it for a a, a good period of time they don't they don't change for change's sake and I, I do applaud them for that because unfortunately with, you know, the top, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because that's the reason that we all have jobs, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, you know, every year there's gotta be a new product from, you know, the top four companies and ping just kind of does their own thing. And, you know, there's, I, there, there, there is something to, um, you know, to respect about that and the fact that they take their time. And then once they introduce a technology, then they just kind of work on slightly tweaking it, you know, to improve it. Yeah. Anyway, two amazing drivers from, from both titles and ping. They've, they've done incredibly well out on tour. They've been really successful in the retail place. And I think whatever ping and titles bring out next, they're, they're going to be major sellers because both have, both have very rabid fan bases for for titles and ping products. So there's, I, I think it's I think it's fair to say that you're going to see a lot of interest in whatever they release. Anyway, so those are the insights for titles and ping. We will do. I think we've got PXG still left, and Zexio. I think was the was the other company that we still need to cover. So we'll cover those next week, and again, offer some more insights, not just the numbers, but I always feel like it's kind of fun to talk a little bit about where we've come from and where we might be going. Anyway, with that, I think it is time to get into this week's interview. But I guess before we do, we should probably mention our sponsors. I didn't do that at the top of the episode. That is a J-Wall bad, but I'm, I'm sure I'll hear all about it from Coach after the episode. But this is my opportunity to tell you that this episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by Rockform and their G-Rock wireless golf speaker. You've heard us talk about this speaker. I won't belabor everybody with the fact that I have the speaker, but um, just so you know, this wireless golf speaker, I took it out on the golf course over the weekend. I mean, I could hear it. I, I cranked up the, I cranked the noise. It wasn't too crowded out on the golf course. And the, the sound is, is crisp and clear. You can hear it clear across the golf course when you're hitting a shot or uh, when you're chasing after one of your kids. <laughs> but uh, some of the features and benefits of this speaker, the magnet, I mean, I, I literally just threw it right on the side of the golf cart. You don't have to worry about if it's going to fall off. That magnet is is by far the most powerful that I've seen in a wireless golf speaker. It also has the carabiner clip if you want to just hook it to your golf bag when you're going for a round, if you're going to walk. 
amazing sound, as I mentioned, is waterproof if you want to go and play on a day where there's a little bit of pre-sip. Has a rugged drop-resistant design and 24 hours of battery life. I charge it up and I finished the nine holes. And I'm like, look, I don't even have to worry about whether I'm running out of juice because that 24-hour battery life is going to give you five rounds of golf in a single charge. Um, also, it frees up your cup holder because you can throw it on the side of the cart. And again, it has a built-in speaker for the phone, which I think is pretty cool. Anyway, if you want to check out the G-Rock wireless golf speaker from Rockform, go to rockform.com and enter promo code FE20 for 20% off the speaker. If you enter it pretty soon, I'm pretty sure you're going to get the speaker before Gene and Chris. Oh, anyway, that was here we go. I'm, I'm still really excited. I get cruel. to come home. I get to come home on Thursday. I'm so excited to come home and get my speaker out of my mailbox that I know is just sitting in there waiting yep, for me. Yep. I know it's, it's going to be there. Anyway. That, or maybe they sent <laughs> it to know, the office and coach has got it. I couldn't I make know. it through the ad read without saying that. I'm sorry. I was, I was like, keep your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. Um, just, I'm, I'm an asshole. I get it. And then I was I waiting just for it. Knew it was coming. Yeah, there it is. Oh, there it is. Anyway, again, check out rockform.com, promo code FE20 for that 20% off discount on the G Rock. And now I think it's a good time to get into this week's interview. I had a chance to chat with Joe Toulon. Joe is Odyssey's putter rep out on the PGA Tour. We had a chance to talk about how Joe landed one of the most coveted jobs on tour. The fact that he works on an almost daily basis with his dad, Sean Toulon. What's that like working with your pops on a regular basis? Also talk about potential changes for the Masters from a gear perspective and more. Enjoy the interview. All right. Well, our next guest had to see my ugly mug only a day ago in Austin. Here I am bothering him again. Aussie tour rep, Joe Toulon. Joe, what's going on, man? How are you? Jay, well, how are you, man? Thanks, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So, let's start this thing off with a question that I tend to get from people, and I'm sure you get it as well, which is, how the heck did you get a job being a putter rep for Odyssey? Because, as as a lot of people tell me, it's like, man, you got a dream job. And I see you out there. You're out. You're out on tour each and every week with the tour pros. How did you score that gig? Well. Um, I've always grown up around the game of golf. Um, obviously, uh, my dad, Sean Toulon, he's been in the golf industry for a long time. So I grew up around that and grew up playing uh, junior golf, amateur golf, up to college golf, gave uh, professional golf a, a try. That didn't work out that well. Um, shortly after that uh, endeavor failed, uh, we started a putter company, Toulon Design. And then a year after that, uh, we came over to Callaway and Odyssey and um you know honestly I started in the uh in the fitting department here so that kind of got my start into the whole fitting side of things and obviously I was always around putters so I kind of naturally gravitated towards that uh and then uh you know about six months after that started traveling out to tour every once in a while and then every once in a while became twice a month and then three times a month and then there was an opening um after Kellen Watson uh, left for a little bit, and so they said, "Hey, it's it's your gig if you want it." And obviously, at that point, I was able to uh, come along slowly and not kind of be thrust into it. So, started to know the players, started to to understand what they wanted. Um, obviously, I knew our product line very well, so 
it kind of it kind of slid in there nicely and you know very lucky that it kind of aligned and and here we are five six years later and i'm still doing it yeah how long does it take for you to build a rapport with tour pros i mean you mentioned kind of being able to come along slowly but but how long does it take to, to sort of establish that relationship and that trust you know it's different with every every player they all are are unique and they have their own personality so with some guys you kind of click instantly and some guys it's you know maybe a month or two months or you do something at some point where you gain their trust but I mean that's that's one of the biggest parts of of being a rep and working with these tour players is is the personal relationships and and people want to do business and and work with people they they know like and trust so that's that's something that's pretty much number one if if you want to um you know earn their trust you, you get they got to like you they got to know you um and you got to be knowledgeable about your stuff first and foremost but um you know you got to be friendly with these guys and 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 you know earn their trust and so far i've been able to do that uh with just about everybody i'm sure there's some people who uh who don't love me i don't know maybe maybe but um, <laughs> you're, you're you're easy to love man you're, uh, you're yeah you're i try pretty, to be you're pretty, pretty low-key i try to be but uh yeah the relationships are, are a huge part of it so um that was something that uh that i've been able to, to uh, be pretty successful at so far so you got to take me back to when you pitched dad as you mentioned your dad is sean toulon before he came over to to head up odyssey and toulon design which are, are now under the same umbrella he was a tailor-made for a long time then he decides you know what i'm gonna take a little bit of a break and the next next thing he knows he has you and your brother tony pitching him on this idea of creating a putter company take me back to that that day when when you pitched this what were you guys nervous were you hopeful that he was going to be on board with this what, what was that like uh you know i think for anyone who's worked with my dad in the past or or now knows he can sort of be impulsive so <laughs> we kind of knew that going into it and and obviously um you know i was i was coming off of a uh, of a failed career at as a professional golfer so i needed something to do and tony was it's it's something that we've always talked about doing and it sort of all happened at the right time but yeah the 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 actual pitch was you know he he's always loved putters obviously he was a part of starting uh the rosa line at TaylorMade. so he's got a background at that and even before then zevo um had a putter line too so um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was something I know we all had an interest in and, and a, we all took a liking to, um, and it was just one of those things where, um, the timing worked out perfectly and, and he was kind of looking for a, a new gig and, um, you know, the dream of starting a, a family business was, was too much to, to pass up. So, um, that happened in 2015, uh, in, in 2016. Callie and Odyssey came along and um, the business expanded a little bit. Okay. So you work closely with your dad, but, but I'm curious, what, what is that like on a, on a day-to-day basis? Is he, is he constantly in your ear or does he give you your space to kind of let you do your own thing? Yeah. So obviously, you know, most of my job is out on the road on the PGA tour. So I'm, I'm gone out of the office for most of the week. Um, so in that regard, you know, I work, 
a lot more closely with my boss, Jacob Davidson, uh, the head of the PGA Tour, and then Tim Reed, who's head of uh, just the whole tour department at, at Callaway Golf. So I work with them a lot closer on the road, and and they kind of give me the the freedom to 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 do do uh, what I need to do. Um, but yes, I would say my dad, he loves a tour update. So I, I talk to him pretty much. <laughs> uh, probably every day out on the road because he just loves to hear what's going out what's going on on the uh, on the putting green and and see what's hot and and what's working and what's not working and he's always great at that he's always curious about uh, the latest trends on tour and and you know we want to be at the forefront of that so he wants to know what's going on what's working what's not working so we're we're pretty much in in constant communication but um you know on a day-to-day level i'm i'm much more uh involved with with my boss jacob and and tim reed and uh and we work uh very well together so um when i come back in the office on thursdays and fridays that's when it's kind of a debrief with uh with my dad and then we kind of start talking about other parts of the business whether it be design or trends in the marketplace or things like that and how how you know tour always kind of leads seems to lead what happens in the marketplace so that's where we kind of were able to bridge the gap pretty nicely from, from that point of view. And that's why, um, you know, we are, I, I, you know, one of the reasons we do talk um, frequently is, is to make sure we're all on the same page aligned with what we're trying to do on tour and what we're trying to do at retail. Um, so we have a lot of, a lot of the, the line of communication, I would say is always open from that standpoint. You know, I know we, we constantly hear in, in the marketplace, you know, tour feedback, tour feedback, but, but I'm curious how much feedback in, in input do you have in the creation of, of the putters that we see out of retail? Um, I would say the, the feedback that we get from the tour players lead that uh, a lot. And I'll have, I'm kind of the intermediary there um, where I take kind of what I hear on tour and make sure that, that that reflects what we're doing uh, at retail. So if I hear something from a few tour players, whether it's, uh, I'd love how this putter is sitting, every one of your putters needs to sit like that. I'll take that info and go, okay, I'll work with uh, the CAD designers or, or Sean or Luke Williams here and go, whatever the, the CAD is saying on this, the rake angle, the draft angle on the sole, this is what we need to focus on and make every putter kind of sit like that. So. Things like that happen all the time and design, um, you know, players will have inputs on design. And then, you know, I've started to really understand what they like to see and, and you know, and, and things I like to see. But um, I think that's one of the reasons we have so many different putter shapes and models is because there are a lot of, um, you know, different looks that, that different players' eyes seem to seem to gravitate towards. So we, um, have a few too many options but we have something for everybody we really do um and so i i just try to take that what i hear from from players and and, and make sure we're incorporating that in some of the des- the new designs that we that we're always working on so i, I mentioned at, at the top just to have you kind of give me a, a rundown on how you got into the industry but but what does a typical day look like in the life of joe Dulon when when you're out on tour from like, give me the, from when you show up at the truck until kind of, you know, until you wrap for the day and head back to the hotel. So 
first thing I do is, you know, a lot of times, even when you're done working from the previous day or from the previous week, obviously the players are, are always calling or texting you. So there's always a, a list of things that I need to do when I first get to the uh, on site to the to the course Monday morning or Tuesday morning, whatever it may be. Um, whether it's okay, I need to go check with this player because he's going to play an early uh, practice round, so I need to to double check his loft and lie before he goes. So there's always a list of things to do there. Um, but then you know we have the demo bags that we're we're able to set back out on the PJ Tour um, putting greens. So I have bags full of you know, two or three bags full of 30 putters in each or something like that, where I'll get those out, set them around the green. So just so players know kind of the options. And if they're struggling, I have all the options right there on the green. They can hit a few putts and go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing here. And then we can kind of start the fitting process from there. If they're truly looking to make a switch. Um, a lot of guys will um, have me look at their putting strokes. And, and I think that's kind of where the trust comes into it, where you need to build that relationship and then eventually gain their trust. And, you know, I've been out there for a while now, so I know what, um, what they like to see in their strokes. And, and a lot of times I'm just, I'm an eye for them, um, whether it's alignment or, you know, am I opening the face too much in the backstroke or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of fitting. I wouldn't say it's instruction. It's more just like checking in because obviously a lot of them have their putting instructors that they work with and I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes there. Um, but it's more just a check in. Um, and then a lot of it would be, you know, if they see something they like on uh, with a demo putter on the green, but they want a different hosel or, or whatever, we, we work on kind of custom designed or cut and welds or uh, different fields with inserts or mill patterns or whatever that may entail. So there's, there's getting the bags out, there's checking in with players. And, and we are, our, our Callaway and Odyssey team on the PJ tour and, and on, all tours we're really starting to dive into the analytics and 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 go over stats and and where a player is struggling or what sort of putt they're struggling with whether it's a left or right or right to left or downhill uphill lag putting so we're going over that every week now and and really highlighting okay how can we help such such and such putt better uh, or or you know get their lag putts from outside 40 feet and in, inside a three-foot circle or something like that so we, we look at all those things now and, and we understand how um, our technologies can help bring out the best in our players. Um, so whether it's, okay, they're, they're struggling getting their balls to the hole from outside 30 feet. Okay, well, let's look at a, a firmer, faster insert or something like that. So um, that's something that we kind of, we're doing every week. Uh, and that's, a, that, that's playing a huge part in how we're fitting, uh, fitting our players. So um, it, it's a lot, uh, that, that goes into it. Um, there's fitting, there's uh, a little, you know, checking in, there's making sure this, the specs are right. There's regrips, there's reshafts or, Hey, I want to try something an inch shorter, an inch longer. So there's, there's no shortage of, of work to be done for, uh, for our staffers and for our non-staffers who are, who play all of our stuff. So, um, it's fun. Never a dull moment. I'll tell you that much. Hey, before we get back to our interview with Joe Toulon, we want to let you know that this episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, George Gankis' training aid, the G-Box. The G-Box is the absolute best training aid to help you make a full and complete body turn. To accomplish that turn, both beginners and professionals can utilize the G-Box in such a way as to not only promote the correct depth of backswing, but also the proper width of the arms through their swing. 
The G-Box is not only easy to use, but provides immediate feedback from specific drills that George Gankus provides to all his players during their lessons. Simply said, the G-Box is the most versatile training in golf today for perfecting both your backswing and downswing drills. To pick up your G-Box, simply head over to golf.com's pro shop and use promo code fully equipped for 10% off. That's promo code fully equipped, F-U-L-L-Y-E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D, one word, at the golf.com pro shop. Now let's get back to Joe. So Odyssey had a big week at the Players' Championship. We were talking about it uh, on the putting green there in in Austin. And you mentioned, was it the number seven? There were like yeah. five number sevens in, inside the top, what, 10 in, in the, on the leaderboard? Yeah, we had four or five inside the top 10 or 11 at, you know, late in the, whether it was, I don't know what day it was, what third round or fourth round, whatever day that might have been. Um, <laughs> right. But it just seemed like uh, every time they showed a new player hitting, a, uh, hitting their birdie putt, it was uh, a number seven. Um, and, I mean, obviously that model has just taken on a, a life of its own. It's, 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 in my mind, it's sort of becoming what the answer was to uh, like blade putters. The number mm-hmm. seven is kind of that to mallet putters. Uh, and every company tries to, to have their own version of that. Um, but the number seven, I think for the players, or maybe it was Valspar, I was just kind of going over it. There were 17 or 18 number sevens in play. Various, uh, models whether it was an O-Work 7 or a white hot og7 um but that just shows you how much that model resonates with players and it's and it's something that um you know everyone is well i, I talk to players all the time where everyone growing up seemed to have to go with the two ball and now it's sort of being the, the number seven is almost kind of surpassing that and everybody's kind of with a number seven at some point in their career but it's such a it's such a good model for alignment and we have various different hosels and and toe hangs and cg locations and now we have you know with the in the white hot og line we have the seven nano the small one we have seven double bend base balance seven s we have a seven bird we have the seven crank hosel which is the xander model um and so we just have even in that number seven uh shape we have so many different variations of that that are going to fit all types of different stroke profiles so the number seven is is you know is and and i think will remain to be one of our most popular models on tour so with when a when the number seven let's just say has has a big week at players how much are our guys noticing that and and how much action do you see Let's say the following week at Valspar, how many guys are coming up to you and saying, hey, do you have a seven for me to try just simply because they maybe saw guys putting well with it the, the week prior at Sawgrass? Yeah, it, it happens a lot. There's always a handful of players that, you know, they pay attention more than you would think to what other guys are doing and what what they're having success with. I was talking to a player at Valspar and he said, I'll tell you what, every time I watch Sam Burns putt, it makes me want to go back to a number seven and, and at least mm-hmm. roll some putts with it. Uh, and obviously that happened Tuesday of Valspar and, and Sam did okay that week. Um, so made, yeah. made a somewhat big putt there at the, at the end of the week in a playoff. Yeah, yeah, he did. So that's always fun to, fun to see, but yeah, it happens, uh, happened again. Uh, another player was playing with a non-staffer who was using a, a, a white hot OG seven S and then, you know, I get the text after the round. Hey, can you have one of those made up for me for next week? So, um, you know, it's it's just I think we've seen it 
it, at times uh, in, on the PGA Tour where players have success with, with a, a putter, and then all of a sudden you see four or five guys, and then you know eight or nine guys, and then all of a sudden it, it kind of grows from there. So um, number seven is always in that conversation of, of uh, you know most popular shapes and models on tour. So besides the number seven, what putter in the, the Odyssey or, or Toulon lineup is having their moment right now out on tour? Uh, I would say Trihot remains to be uh, or remains a, a very popular model, especially in that blade category. It's just something that has never really been done before in a blade model where you have just beautiful standard looking blade models at, at that high MOI and just that level of forgiveness in a blade in that package, you just, you just, it's never been done before. So if, if players prefer the look of a blade, it's definitely something they're, they're trying and a lot of times putting in play, uh, those try hot models. And then, um, the other one right now that's, that's gained quite a bit of traction. I think it, we had five in play at Valspar is, uh, is the two Daytona each. Um, and I think four, it's a great, it's a great shape. Yeah. It's a, it's a just, clean looking mallet um and you go it's got a crown on it where you can kind of get whatever sight line you might want on it and then we have a few different hosels for tour uh but it's low profile it, it sits square on the ground um that one has been gaining traction i think you know three in play maybe three weeks ago four in play the following week and five last week so um you know it's a shape that's that's somewhat unique but it's just but it also looks clean and, and classic almost if that makes sense but um that's the one that's uh from a from a toulon perspective that one's getting quite a quite a few looks so you've been with with too long for for a little while now so i feel like i can ask you this question and, and get uh an accurate answer but you know odyssey this is for, for the month of march is is odyssey month out on tour and you know i know you guys brought out a uh a new staff bag Odyssey branded staff bag and putter covers just kind of highlighting that the fact that Odyssey's number one out on tour in year in and year out, Odyssey continually you know, does well. They they always have high usage. They're they're winning putter counts week in and week out. There are a lot of putters, you know, now with Toulon in the fold, it, it kind of adds to the lineup. But but from your time with the company, is this the most extensive lineup that you all have had on out on tour, just from top to bottom? I would have to say yes. I mean, just just across the board, we have Tri Hot, which are the most forgiving blades of all time. If you like a blade style look, uh, which a lot of players still do, um, we have the um, kind of futuristic Eleven model that I haven't talked about much, but um, that's getting into bags. It's just a, a kind of a clean kind of cross between a number ten and a number seven. Um, and then the White Hot OG line is just beautiful, you know, silver finish. Um, putters and and they're just so clean and classic looking. That's where all of our num- most of our number sevens are uh, kind of in that line. And then two balls and Rossies and number fives and you know that that's just that line has has been strong for the last two years now. And then uh, and then the two lawn lines. So I, I, we just have looks so many different options for all of the different tour players. Um, so we have something that's going to look good for everybody. We have different feels, whether it's the white hot insert, which is legendary. It's the number, it's the most popular insert on tour for, I don't know how many years. Um, you got to talk about the two ball 10. We have the micro hinge star insert. 
uh, which is a little bit firmer with uh, with better roll. Then we have the Toulon uh, mill pattern that we can, you know, it's a nice firmer feeling pattern. So we have feels for everybody. We have looks for everybody. The thing that kind of ties it all together, though, is the performance. That's something that we talk about always. We want beautiful looking putters, but we want them to perform as, as good as they possibly can. Um, and I think that's where we kind of can separate ourselves from, from other putter companies. Is that, that's something that we're always thinking about. We want beautiful putters, but we want them to roll the ball good. We want the most forgiving putters. We want options to, to that fit different players' eyes or stroke profiles. We want different feels, but everything we, we talk about and everything we create is centered around uh, performance, uh, really. And, and, that's, and that's kind of what this whole line of, of putters in, in uh, 2022 kind of are, are all about, really. So you spend an inordinate amount of time on the putting green each and every week when you're out on tour. So uh, of all the people, you you are the expert in the room when it, when it comes to just kind of seeing what tour pros are, are doing with their practice routines, with, with their putters, what's trending. You know, amateur golfers are constantly, especially when it comes to the putter, that they're looking for that magic bullet or something. Like, what are the tour pros doing that they should be doing? If you were to, to tell an amateur golfer out there, hey, look, from what I've been seeing week in and week out with tour pros, this is something that I think could benefit amateur golfers. What would that one thing be? Um, it would be. So I, I always see the best players, the best um, pro, the best putters um, actually kind of calibrate themselves every day before they really get, even get into, you know, their practice putting routine, um, whether it's on a two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they always go through and make sure, okay, my eyes are in the same spot. My setup hasn't changed. I'm going to hit a few putts on a chalk line or a start line trainer or, or whatever, and make sure um, I'm calibrated in my setup. So I know that hasn't changed from day to day or week to week. That's something that, that the best putters do every single day. They make sure my eyes are in the same spot. My ball position hasn't changed. My start lines and, and my feels are all correct. Um, and before they get into maybe some other drills that they're working on in their stroke, or maybe before they get into the lag putting or getting the speed down on the putting green, they always go and check. Xander Shoffley is a great uh, example. He has his, his putting plates and he gets them down and makes sure his eyes and his ball positions in the, is in the exact same spot every single day before he starts working on his putting stroke. So he knows that hasn't changed and he's not, he's not, he basically is removing that variable for him. And then when I see like amateurs, uh, I've, warming up for a Wednesday pro-am if they hit putts with which most of them don't. So that might be another thing, maybe just spend a little bit more time practicing putting, but if they hit putts, it's about three, four, uh, 10 footers. All right, go to the first tee. So, I mean, there's not, they just pros obviously do it for a living. They have a lot more time to practice, but that's, that's basically what it is. And if you have five minutes a day to, uh, to work on your putting, even if it's at home, I would say, get on a, a putting mirror and make sure your eyes are in the same spot or do some start line drills or something like that, but just have a baseline for, for what feels good and, and something that should never change from day to day before you kind of get into your whole practice routine. All right. Last question for you. I'm, I'm sure you've been seeing a lot of the commercials on television for the masters. We're, we're getting really close and everybody wants to know 
come come Masters time, you know, we, we typically see players changing out and maybe uh, utility iron turns into a five wood and just kind of lofted in there. But but from a putter perspective, are, are guys making any changes when they go to a guest or is it pretty much, you know, you want you want to make sure that the putter's already dialed before you even arrive? It's more of that where the, the putter is something they don't want to be thinking about. They more just want to get used to the speed of the greens and, and, and uh, the undulations of the greens. At times, there have been players who have made uh, loft adjustments. Obviously, those greens are pristine, fast, um, and typically you can get away with uh, a little bit lower launch angle off the putter. So some guys from time to time will, will play around with the loft on their putter. Um, but more often than not, you know, they, they're going to play a lot of practice early and, and make sure they're calibrated to the speed of the greens and just get used to it with what they came with. They don't want to be changing too many things. The, the greens are, are tricky enough to, to sort of get used to. And obviously, I think you can, you can see that from not many first-timers winning there because it's just it's so unique and so tricky and you got to be so precise with where you're leaving your your shots in the greens or even where your misses are um so they spend they they kind of want the putter to be dialed in with what they're using before and that way they get there there's no other variables they're just getting used to the speed of the greens and the break of the greens and, and all that kind of stuff so from time to time loft uh can change uh but for the most part what they what they show up with is what they're going with awesome and that'll do it for episode 133 of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next week.